Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.20 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 26th of August, 2019. This is episode 131 of Bitcoin and... And I missed my birthday. That's right. On August the 23rd, 2018, I dropped the very first episode of Bitcoin and... And I I hit my anniversary on August the 23rd, which was last Friday, 2019, and completely forgot that it was the one-year anniversary of of the damn show. So there's that. I got that going for me. That's, that's, that's some, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so <laughs> that's done. Uh, I guess we'll have to, uh, maybe, I don't know, celebrate this next year, something like that with, I don't know, a giveaway, but guess what? I don't have to worry about what I'm going to give away because I'm going to forget again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now getting into more community stuff. I ran across a guy named Matt Kvenald, I think is the way it's pronounced. It's at M-A-T-T-K-V-E-N-L, I'm sorry, V-E-N-I-L-D. And he had a tweet up that said, I accept Bitcoin in my construction business, advertised all over my heavy equipment. Bitcoin is bigger than any one person or their opinion. The most you can do is run a fully validating node. If you don't like BTC, go run another fork and let consensus decide which has value. And of course, this is a reply to some guy who's harshing on Bitcoin. But what I thought was funny is that he included a a picture uh, that has two very, you know, pretty large excavating uh, machines out here in this picture. And both of them has uh, Bitcoin accepted as a fairly large decal on both of these large excavators. And then another thread ensues because he he captured some some people interested in what he was doing. And uh, anyway, so we got guys in excavation and construction accepting Bitcoin. That's good. That thank you, Matt, for for accepting Bitcoin. Maybe a like a ten percent or a you know maybe some a discount you know for people who pay in, in Bitcoin. Of course, the jobs are so large you'd have to it would only be like a, a percent or two, and even then margins are probably scathingly thin like everything else. So that may not work. Um, on up into community news, hodl hodl. Uh, now this was tweeted out a couple of days ago, and they had they had actually just finished up their Lightning Week. But they've got another announcement. Uh, they, I have their Medium page up. And on August the 20th, uh, so six days ago, 
they put this up. Lightning weeks continue at Hodel Hodel. Says today is the last day of the current liquidity week that started on August the 14th, and tomorrow, as we have recently announced, we're going to start another initiative, a second lightning week at hodelhodel.com. So the overview. In the initial blog post, we explain the idea behind the initiative, and here we would like to share some more information with you. The first lightning week at Hodel Hodel in July of 2019 was a success, and we have since opened additional channels with one of the biggest nodes in the lightning network, so our customers now can trade larger amounts faster and without delays. Uh, some of the list a couple of people here, lightningpoweruusers.com, async, satoshi labs, and 1ml.com. What is Lightning Trading Week? Lightning Trading Week is basically an initiative we launched during which we will, one, do our best to complete the offer book, two, incentivize traders to participate by reducing the exchange fee to 0.3%. Every trade at hodelhodel.com is completed in a peer-to-peer manner, meaning that you trade directly with other people. We only provide you with a technical solution for this and the marketplace where you can find a counterparty. This allows you to trade in any country using any payment system for any currency. During a trade, you buy Bitcoin and receive them directly into your Lightning wallet and sell Bitcoin directly from your Lightning wallet. The trade workflow is as follows. A contract is created between buyer and seller. Seller deposits Bitcoin from his Lightning wallet to our Lightning wallet. Buyer pays the seller according to the agreed upon payment method. Seller releases Bitcoins from our Lightning wallet directly to the buyer's Lightning wallet. There are already more than 120 Lightning offers at Hodel Hodel. You can buy and sell Bitcoin through them while using the Lightning network with new offers automatically being posted to our Twitter account and Telegram channel. And uh, both of those are at offers Hodel Hodel. All one word, no underscore, no nothing like that. Uh, Let's see. Dates of upcoming Lightning trading weeks. The 25th of September to the 2nd of October the 30th of October to the 6th of November, and the 4th to the 11th this coming December. Please share this, and I am. Invite everyone to participate and let's increase adoption of the Lightning Network, not only within the community, but outside it at well as well. So, And then they give a whole bunch of other ways to uh, reach out to Hodel Hodel. So good news that they're just going to go ahead and do this all the time. Uh, that's This is ballers. I, I just... I. Yeah, I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, now, a few weeks back, a listener uh, sent me a a journal um, a journal article from Nature Biotechnology. Now, let me let me just give you a, a caveat here. Nature Biotechnology is pretty big deal. Uh, it's um, yeah, it's it's a pretty big deal. The reason it's such a big deal is that uh, when I was in cell and molecular biology and I was doing research at a health sciences center as an undergrad, it, it, it gets real clear real fast that if you can publish anything in either one or two journals, nature or science, you're a freaking rock star. It across the world, not just the United States, man. If your article drops in either one of those two, you're a rock star. You're also a rock star if you drop a, a, a scientific peer-reviewed article in any one of those journals, subsidiary journals. 
Nature Biotechnology is a subsidiary journal of nature. And it still doesn't matter. You drop something in one of their subsidiaries, you are a rock star. So this rock star dropped this particular uh, article into Nature or got, got it published by Nature Biotechnology. And the, uh, God, the, the title is Your DNA Broker. Now, I'm not going to read this. This is, this is six pages long. Journal articles are rough to read anyway. They're just, and they're boring. Uh, but in either event, this one is, um, this was dropped this month, August 2019, in volume number 37. Now, why am I even talking about this? Well, okay, because they use the term blockchain in this particular one. And I'm going to read this, this one excerpt from it. This is a direct quote from the paper. Hive has a blockchain with more than 50,000 patient records. Data owners earn what they call real-world evidence tokens, or RWE, by uploading data. And data purchasers buy RWE tokens from the data owners by using hard currencies to obtain access to the data end quote. Okay. In this paper, it refers to the word blockchain 45 times. 45 times, guys. 45. A well-respected journal is publishing shit coinery articles. So, it, essentially what it is, it's like, like it, if, if you didn't gather, it's medical records on a goddamn blockchain, which you don't need. You really don't need that. But now they're, they're trying to monetize how the patient data rewards the patient for giving said data rather than anybody else who collects that particular data. And it's not just DNA. It's like, blood work and probably, you know, I'm sure that they're going to be, you know, doing, uh, tissue, you know, tissue samples, uh, any kind of pathology work done, a, outcomes of treatments, all that kind of stuff. These guys are serious. They're putting it on a blockchain. They've already got 50,000 patient records in there in, or is it? Yeah, I think it's 50,000 patient records. Uh, so the shit coinery is real. It's becoming industrialized and uh, expect it to become weaponized next. I, you know, that's just going to happen. Um, on up into the stack, we're going to go ahead and get right on into the morning roundup. We've got uh, fastcompany.com. Uh, we have Mike Elgin writing this this morning. Uh-oh, Silicon Valley is building a Chinese-style social credit system. Weaponized, I'm telling you, man. In, in place since 2014, the social credit system is a work in progress that could evolve by next year into a single nationwide point system for all Chinese citizens akin to a financial credit score. It aims to punish for transgressions that can include membership in or support for the Falun Gong or Tibetan Buddhism, failure to pay debts, excessive video gaming, criticizing the government, late payments, failing to sweep the sidewalk in front of your store or house, smoking or playing loud music on trains, jaywalking, and other actions deemed illegal or unacceptable by the Chinese government. <clears throat> it can also award points for charitable donations or even taking one's own 
par- own parents to the doctor. Punishments can be harsh, including bans on leaving the country, using public transportation, checking into hotels, hiring for high visibility jobs, or acceptance of children to private schools. It can also result in slower internet connections and social stigmatization in the form of registration on a public blacklist. Chinese social credit system or China's social credit system has been characterized in one pithy tweet as authoritarianism gamified. That's exactly right. Um, So many Westerners are disturbed by what they read about China's social credit system by such systems. It turns out are not it such systems. It turns out are not unique to China. A parallel system is developing in the United States in part as the result of Silicon Valley and technology industry user policies and in part by surveillance of social media activity by private companies. Here are some of the elements of America's growing social credit system. Insurance companies, the New York State Department of Financial Services announced earlier this year that life insurance companies can base premiums on what they find in your social media posts. Jesus. Patron Scan. A company called Patron Scan sells three products kiosk, desktop, and handheld systems designed to help bar and restaurant owners manage customers. Patron Scan is a subsidiary of the Canadian software company Serve All Biometrics, and its products are now on sale in the United States, Canada, Australia, and the United Kingdom. Patron Scan helps spot fake IDs and troublemakers. When customers arrive at a Patron Scan using BAR, their ID is scanned. The company maintains a list of objectionable customers. And this thing goes on like this. Uh, There's Uber and Airbnb examples. There's WhatsApp examples. It's... It's all over the place. Now, we just saw, if, you, if you've been under a rock, we've just seen Chinese citizens or Hong Kongers. They're not Chinese citizens. They're Hong Kongers. In Hong Kong, the protesters are taking power tools and cutting down smart lampposts because they know what's going on. They don't want any of this crap, and we shouldn't want it either. So, guys, be aware all this stuff is being is is being weaponized. It just come on. It's, as as long as we can remain aware, then we have a hope in hell of being able to at least route around this kind of stuff. But we need to know what we're routing around. Okay, uh, boating and Bitcoin do not mix. I want everybody to get that through through your head. Why? Because the last non-Bitcoin thing that I'm going to do right now is this uh, news story from DW.com. WikiLeaks death. Dutch hacking expert, quote, had kayaking accident. So it's not even Bitcoiners. It's even, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're in a boat. You have something to do with this kind of stuff. You're, you're going down. Norwegian police said on Friday... They have ended a year-long probe into the disappearance of Dutch cybersecurity expert, concluding he most likely died in an accident, about boating accident. Arjen Campus was last seen August the 20th, 2018, when checking out from a hotel in Bedeau, just north of the Arctic Circle. A few days later, a kayak with a hole in the hole and an oar were found on the shore of a fjord, as well as some other personal items. Those circumstances and his work, which involved advising governments, firms, journalists, and activist groups on how to prevent hacking attacks, fueled speculation of possible foul play. 
One of his clients was anti-secrecy organization WikiLeaks. <laughs> Police said they had probed three main lines of inquiry, including that Campus died in an accident due to a crime or had deliberately decided to go into hiding. They concluded that Campus most likely suffered an accident in the evening of August the 20th, 2018, while kayaking in the Skirstadford near the village of Rognan, a police statement read. They said his body has still not been recovered. Campus disappearance triggered a wave of conspiracy theories on social media, ranging from CIA and Russian involvement to a mission to carry out a secret project for WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. The mystery deepened when a phone linked to campus was briefly switched on in an area near the southwestern Norwegian city of Svatgar, located 1,600 kilometers from Bodo on August the 30th last year. Police explained that two truck drivers from Eastern Europe had found the phone, a laptop, and other items belonging to campus while they were fishing close to where his kayak was found. The pair were not believed to have any involvement in the disappearance. So, yeah, boating, Bitcoining, hacking, this shit don't mix. Okay, solid Bitcoin stuff now. Bitcoin miners are heating homes free of charge in frigid Siberia. This is out of Coindesk's Anna Bedakova. She's writing this on the 23rd. Hot mine CEO Ols Slobodin, no, there's no way, couldn't have picked a better place to pitch his product, a Bitcoin mining rig that doubles as a home heating appliance. <clears throat> Irkutsk, eastern Siberia, is famously cold in the winter when sub-zero temperatures are the norm. So a few weeks ago when he took the stage at the Baikal blockchain and crypto forum with one of Hopmind's little white boxes in tow, he opened with a joke about the warm August weather. Quote, I was told that in Irkutsk, the average temperature of the air is minus two degrees Celsius, so I brought a radiator with me, he said. Eventually, he told the crowd Hopmind aspires to sell 200,000 of its devices to the residents, but the Ukraine-based company's ultimate ambitions are even greater. Our goal, quote, our, sorry, quote, our goal is to reach the point where 80% of all mining is done with the smart use of the hot air it's producing, at the same time protecting the Bitcoin network, end quote. Quote, we believe mining should become decentralized again with a full node in every home. Oh, man, I love that. That's, that's, we need to meme that shit into existence. It's a lofty goal, given that the four largest mining pools control about 60% of the total hash rate or processing power devoted to securing the Bitcoin network, according to BTC.com. But like Bitcoin itself, Hotmine will seek to employ economic incentives to achieve its decentralist ideals. According to this guy, each Hotmine miner performs calculations at a rate of 8 terahashes per second. With the current price of Bitcoin, he said one terahash earns about $7.20 a month, so a single heater can make up about 50, make, make about $55 for its owner while radiating heat for up to 10 square meters. While the concept itself isn't new, last year a French company called Quarnet announced a CPU-based mining heater that earns ether, for example. Hotmine is focusing on a region where it's likelier to resonate. At the current prices for electricity in Irkutsk, of one point or one to two cents per kilowatt hour. Damn, that'll work. One heater needs less than $10 worth of power per month. So effectively, the heat would be free plus a modest income in Bitcoin, the guy said. 
I'm saying the guy because there's no way I can pronounce his name. Sorry, it's just not going to happen. Even the coming halving or periodic reduction in the amount of new Bitcoin awarded to miners won't hurt this model, he claimed. Hotmine started in 2013, a lifetime ago in crypto time with an experiment in a village near Kiev. It provided a bunch of homes with prototype mining boilers. People got free heat without even thinking about Bitcoin as all the work with crypto had been done for them. After two years, the chips inside the boilers got old and mining stopped being profitable. Profitable. When presented with the opportunity to keep the boilers but pay a little for electricity, people opted to switch back to wood stoves. Flashy new tech wasn't compelling if it didn't save the money. Now, Hotmine is looking for partners to manufacture the electronics and metal boxes for its money-making heater. So far, it has offers from three potential partners in Russia. A pilot batch of 60 heaters is scheduled for release as soon as November to test demand, the company announced. Approximate price tag, $1,000, $1,050. Not bad. By the end of the year, Hotmine aims to sell 100 to 200 heaters. Asked if he believe, believes people would readily learn how to deal with Bitcoin wallets and exchanges to spend their radiators' earnings, he said that at first, they won't have to. Hotmine can partner with crypto service providers, and all consumers would have to do is give a bank account number <laughs> before harvesting their income converted to fiat. Sooner or later, people might want to go further down the rabbit hole and figure out Bitcoin for themselves, Hotmine hopes. Another believer that Bitcoin-powered heating is ready for wide adoption, at least in places like eastern Siberia, is Irkutsk resident Ilya Frolov. His startup, Imagine 8, makes heating systems in which miners manufactured by market leader Bitmain are immersed in mineral oil, which distributes their heat to the floor. The showcase To showcase the tech, Imaginate plans to build and rent out guest homes that use it. Frolov, who's been working on such systems since 2016, said he and a school friend brought on some two dozen people to use the mining heaters in their homes in the Irkutsk suburbs. Nice. Initially, Frolov would ask homeowners to heat their homes with the system and send him their electricity bills. <laughs> some were fine with this option, but more people caught the Bitcoin bug as they learned how it works. Quote, First, they were like, I heard about Bitcoin. That's a pyramid scheme, but I want free heating. Then we worked with them, gradually converted them to our religion. And in the end, they were like, okay, I figured that out. I'm going to mine Bitcoin myself, end quote. According to him, such customers paid for hardware and installation. They learned to handle wallets and exchange accounts and now are taking care of their Bitcoin themselves. Nice little hodlers. Other companies use the same technology now, and some people would buy miners and oil reservoirs and construct the systems themselves after watching videos posted by Frolov and his competitors, he said. An average house as big as 100 square meters takes about 10 kilowatts to heat via an electric boiler, a popular option in Irkutsk. Electricity bills in Irkutsk winters might cost a homeowner several hundred dollars a month. Instead, six or eight specialized mining chips known as ASICs can heat a home like that and earn owners some Bitcoin. Only six? Jeez. And the environment benefits, Frolov argued, when machines do double duty. Instead of having the heat from ASICs wasted in the air and people uh, and people heating their houses with coal. So that's it. Um, we've been talking about, we've had people in the space talking about this kind of stuff for a long time. Um, I'm actually interested in it as well. Because if you can get, if you can get a system to complete two different tasks without doing two different tasks, then, oh my God, 
you're you're su- you are such in the win column right here, because in in permaculture circles, the, there's a, a, an oft repeated line called the problem is the solution. Here, the problem is waste heat and electricity consumption. And I I can't remember what the efficiencies are in insofar as how much of the electricity used in mining is actually harnessed by solving the mathematical problems involved in, in cryptocurrency versus how much heat is just spilled out. From what I remember, it's a pretty piss poor efficiency. Uh, there's a lot, I mean, it's like a light bulb there. It's like 1% efficient for, you know, every watt that it uses to actually produce light, 99 watts are wasted as, as heat into the, into the atmosphere. Now, this is for homes, but I'm thinking, you know, if you were to do this for greenhouses, you could have a very, very large mining operation north of the Arctic Circle where it's really always cold and produce food in places that you wouldn't normally be able to produce food. The only problem with this is in the wintertime, you're going to be chewing up a lot of energy uh, trying to also produce light. So you'll, you'd probably not break even at all, but still trying to figure out what to do with the waste heat is I think a really good part of, you know, an up and coming part and, and part of the industry to watch as the years uh, start rolling by. Okay. So uh, Andrew Yang's in the, in, in the Bitcoin and blockchain news again, he, this is out of brave new coin. This is Andy Pickering writing yesterday. Andrew Yang wants to put voting on the blockchain. U.S. Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang comes from a tech-friendly background. He was the CEO of Manhattan Prep, and he founded the nonprofit fellowship program Venture for America in a political field comprised of aging politicians, many of whom struggle to send an email. Yang stands out as a savvy technologist determined to harness the best technology solutions to mitigate against the worst technology-caused problems. Yang is running on a UBI, a universal basic income platform. Yang's position is that in the next 12 years, one out of three American workers are at risk of losing their jobs to new new technologies. On his campaign website, he says that unlike the past, this time new jobs will not appear quickly enough or in large enough numbers to make up for it. Quote, to avoid an unprecedented crisis, we're going to have to find a solution unlike anything we've done before. It all begins with the freedom dividend, a universal basic income for all American adults, no strings attached, a foundation to, on which a stable, prosperous, and just society can be built, end quote. Yang is certainly the most crypto-friendly candidate on either side of the aisle. Back in 2018, Yang made it possible to donate to his campaign using crypto assets, and he is supportive of the United States becoming a crypto innovator. Quote, investments in cryptocurrencies and digital assets has far outpaced our regulatory frameworks in the United States. We should let investors, companies, and individuals know that the landscape and treatment will be moving forward to support innovation and development. The blockchain has vast potential, end quote, says Yang on his website. Now Yang has gone further. He wants to modernize voting by using mobile phones as the voting interface and a blockchain to ensure security and identity verification. This would dramatically increase participation in all elections, whether local, state, or federal. Considering the advances in technology, according to Yang, there's no reason why people should still be waiting in line at polling stations to cast their vote. 
by making it difficult and time-consuming to vote. This discourages voting and rewards extreme points of views as opposed to the popular will of the people. So what's the solution? On his website, Yang says... Quote, it is 100% technically possible to have fraud-proof voting on our mobile phones today using the blockchain. This would revolutionize true democracy and increase participation to include all Americans. Those without smartphones could use the legacy system and lines would be very short. While this sounds like a promising idea, Yang's website is punishingly short on details. While it's true that the United States electoral uh, electoral voting system is antiquated, inefficient, and vulnerable to attack, it's not yet clear whether blockchain can provide a solution. On a recent Crypto Conversation podcast, I spoke to Ed Felton, a professor of computing science, computer science at Princeton University, who served in the White House as Deputy Chief Technology Officer to President Obama. Felton is a co-founder at Offchain Labs and a blockchain expert. In 2018... Felton and his team of researchers at Princeton uncovered serious vulnerabilities in the Diebold system and Sequoia voting machines that the United States electoral system uses a decade later. Felton said that worries remain. And that's about all you need to know about that. Um, Because it's not about the blockchain. It's not about the technology. To tell you the truth, what scares the piss out of me is somebody getting you by yourself before you voted into a room and you got your cell phone on you and all of a sudden they're forcing your thumbprint on your phone to unlock it so that you will vote for exactly who they tell you to vote for. Don't think it can't happen guys. Seriously do not think that that shit cannot happen. All right. Two of the very worst Bitcoin companies in the world decided to go to bed together. Coindesk's Daniel Coons writing uh, August the 23rd, Blockchain will integrate BitPay system for wallet payments. So I'm reading this to you so you can be aware of the chicanery that's going on. Bitcoin wallet and blockchain explorer provider Blockchain announced a partnership with the largest Bitcoin processor, BitPay. According to a blog post published today, Blockchain will integrate BitPay's payment architecture into its wallet service. This partnership will allow Blockchain wallet users to pay merchants online or on mobile. BitPay processes approximately $1 billion in Bitcoin alone every year for businesses and individual clients and over $2.8 billion in other cryptos for institutional clients since 2011. The firm has built an ecosystem of merchants that accept their payments, including Amazon, Delta, and Hotels.com, because as a payment processor, it offers the option to settle in fiat currencies and provides invoices. Likewise, blockchain is often regarded as one of the world's largest wallet providers with approximately 38 million users, of which more than half are located outside the United States. Further, the firm's wallet users account for roughly a quarter of all on-chain Bitcoin transactions. Quote, we're excited to see this new addition connect our wallet users to the world of merchants that accept Bitcoin and soon other cryptos as a payment method. One of the key ways to interact with and grow the digital asset system, blockchain writes in a statement, blockchain wallet service is a non-custodial and offers an optional know your customer verification for users who want in-wallet trading capabilities, whereas BitPay requires its users to undergo KYC requirements. In July, blockchain unveiled its crypto exchange platform, The Pit, P-I-T, with optionality to connect the firm's wallets for nearly instant transfers. So bad companies acting terribly, deciding to, I don't know, get married and have kids. 
Um, let's see what else is going on here. Uh, sorry. Uh, all right. UK central bank chief sees digital currency displacing U.S. dollars global reserve. This is CoinDesk's Nicholas Day, also on the uh, also writing on August the twenty third. And here, let's get into it because you've probably heard about this, but let's see what Nicholas Day said. A central bank-supported digital currency could replace the dollar as the global hedge currency, said Bank of England Governor Mark Carney. Speaking at the Economic Policy Symposium in Jackson Hole, Wyoming on Friday, Carney discussed the need for a new international monetary and financial system, noting that while the U.S. dollar has played a dominant role in the world order over much of the past century, recent developments such as increased globalization and trade disputes may have stronger impacts on national economies at the present moment than they would have in the past. Carney highlighted the dollar's use in international securities issuance, its use as the primary settlement currency for international trades, and the fact that companies use dollars as examples of its dominance. However, quote, developments in the United States economy by affecting the dollar change rate can have large spillover effects into the rest of the world, end quote. Quote, while the world economy is being recorded or reordered, the United States dollar remains as important as when Bretton Woods collapsed, Carney continued. Carney suggested a number of possible replacements to the dollar, including the Chinese renminbi and most notably a digital currency supported by an international coalition of central banks. Oh, God, yeah. Round up all the freaking mobsters, man. Just, sorry. He said, quote, it is an open question whether such a new synthetic hegemonic currency or SHC, synthetic hegemonic currency, Currency. God's reading like a Dan Simmons novel, man. Would be best provided by the public sector, perhaps through a network of central bank digital currencies. End quote. <clears throat> an, SEC, an SHC could dampen the domineering influence of the United States dollar on global trade, Carney said. Technology can disrupt the current network effects that protect the dollar, he explained, noting that an increasing number of transactions occur online and use electronic payments rather than cash. While he did not explicitly reference cryptocurrencies, he did note that the relatively high cost of domestic and cross-border electronic payments are encouraging innovation with new entrants supply new entrants applying new technologies to offer lower cost, more convenient retail services, and that's it. So you got that you know like one of the heads of one of the largest and oldest banks in the world, kind of just giving their finger to the United States dollar. Now, the suggestion of not using Bitcoin in this particular case is kind of freaking stupid because because it is. There's so much decentralization here. All they'd really have to do is just adopt, even if they were to say, you know what, we're not going to sell all of our fiat into Bitcoin, but we're going to take we're, we're, we're going to take a one percent stake and we're going to see what happens. If that were to happen. Holy shit. Okay, so anyway, we're, we are now into nation-state-level shitcoinery. We're 10 years in, guys, and we blew past, uh, let's see, we blew past private shitcoinery, and then we started getting into more industrial shitcoinery with the notion of Libra, and already we've got a central banker, one of the most respect, quote-unquote, respected people in the monetary world, 
talking about using having a cryptocurrency as the world reserve currency. Ten years, guys. It took ten years, and you've got a central banker talking about it. Good job. Not you should pat everybody should be patting themselves on the back right right about now. Okay, uh, last one up in the stack is the SEC approves blockchain tech startup Securitize to record stock transfers. This is uh, Coindesk's Nathan De Camillo, or Camillo, August the twenty first, twenty nineteen. Securitize. A provider of technology for issuing blockchain tokens has registered as a transfer agent with the United States Securities and Exchange Administration. A move, it says, will boost adoption. Announced Wednesday, the registration means Securitize can now act as the official keeper of records about changes of ownership and securities. While that might sound redundant, given that blockchains are supposed to track asset transfers, the San Francisco-based startup says it's expedient. Quote, we can increase the amount of securities issued on the blockchain and give comfort to people that this is a regulated space, said Carlos Domingo, a co-founder and CEO of Securitize. Quote, the SEC has also started approving other types of exempted securities like Reg A, and down the road, these people will need transfer agents. As a further enticement, the company is offering to record transfers for free, which would normally cost around 150 bucks per transfer for regular SEC-registered securities, Domingo said. Securitize will still charge for the management of securities and corporate actions such as dividend and interest payments, shareholder votes and redemptions and share buybacks. While SEC approval over or after its official submission took only 10 days, God dang, that's fast, man. Securitize worked for around six months to make sure the regulator understood how the company's smart contracts would keep a record of transfers, Domingo said. Securitize claims to be the first SEC registered transfer agent with a working blockchain protocol, active securities issuers and integrations that allow digital securities enabled by its protocol to be traded on SEC-registered alternative trading systems, including Open Finance Network T0 and SharesPost. Recently, Securitize announced its 11th issued an outstanding digital, uh, digital security running on the platform under its protocol. The total value of those securities is nearly $200 million U.S., and five of them are traded on a regulated SEC-registered ATS. In two funding rounds, The company has raised $15 million U.S. It has 43 customers, 11 of which have issued securities on the public Ethereum blockchain. God. Securitize is also integrated with Tezos, but has no customers using that chain yet. Securitize also bills itself as as a one-stop shop for token services with a Securitize Ready Program, an advisory network that launched in April and includes Coinbase Custody and Open Finance to assist in issuance management and compliance. In May, Securitize open-sourced the code behind its in-house protocol. And so, yeah, we'll have to see about this, how much open-source in this particular context matters and also whether or not they really did open source it. So, uh, there's, yeah, it's a level of shit coinery, but you're seeing the hooks from our world attach themselves and cling to and otherwise start to shred away at the legacy systems. So there, there it is for your morning roundup.
time for vital statistics and the roller coaster ride has has over the weekend has seemed to subside a, a little bit but you, you just buckle buckle in guys bitcoin uh, looks to have an average of $10,325 its high looks to be over at uh let's see yeah uh Ethfinex at $10,337, and its low appears to be over at GDAX at $10,307. So that's a like a $35 trading uh, arbitrage range. Nice. Okay, 300,000 transactions were performed over the last 24 hours with uh, average transactions per hour of 12,510. 942 BTC have been sent over the last two 24 hours with 40,000 BTC being sent on average per hour. The average transaction value is 3.14 BTC. The median transaction value is low at 0.012 BTC or about 125 bucks USD. Block times are a bit slow or a bit uh, fast right now, 9 minutes, 48 seconds. We've got 0.18 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, and overall 26 BTC have been taken in fees for the last day. Looks like we've lost, oh, good God, we've lost 1.76% hash rate, yet we're at 77.47 exahashes per second. That means that we've probably hit yet another all-time high in the hash rate. Uh, looks like the last commit to the GitHub code for Bitcoin was done sometime yesterday. Ethereum is at 189, Bcash is at 308, Litecoin is at 73, BSV is 134, Ethereum Classic is at seven and a quarter, and Dogecoin is at 0.0027 USD. And it's still beating Litecoin with transactions of 21,000 over the last 24 hours, beating out Litecoin's 18,000. On to mempool. We are, we're deep in the mempool right now. We've got 25,000 or 24,300 unconfirmed transactions, 15 blocks deep, a mempool size of about 20 megabytes. Every block I see is over one megabyte and we have had two in the last hour go by at almost one and a half megabytes. Not bad, lads. Not bad. There's your vitals. All right, guys. So for the song, um, I've decided to play the cult yeah one of my uh, you know one of my very favorite bands uh this particular cut of this song that i'm going to play uh is something i found i mean they recorded this song way i mean we're talking you know a, a few decades ago but i somehow or another i don't know where i found it but i just i ran across this live studio recording uh, which is was done for like like 91.1 x or something like that and so they got all the guys from the cult into the studio in 2015 so just you know a, a few years back you know after decades of 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 this song coming out on on you know in studio album format so they got them all together they set them all in a room and they said crank it up sons of bitches so, and it's good. 
Okay, I've never heard it before, so this is not the album. It's also not a technically, or it's technically live. It's just not in a stadium, or it's not like from a live show. So I was really impressed when I heard it, and I wanted you guys to hear it. So since we're all in a cult, let's listen to some cult.
God, I love that song. That is a great, great tune, man. All right, it's time for the Daily Trainwrecked. This one is brought to you by a guy named at JP underscore Koenig, which is actually spelled K-O-N-I-N-G. So it's at JP underscore K-O-N-I-N-G. See what the good Koenig has to say. 36 hours of Bitcoin, bad store of value, fantastic gambling machine. Gamblers look for action in Bitcoin like a casino, has faithfully provided it 24-7 for over 10 years. No downtime. Yeah, he provides a cute little chart you know, that shows a 36-hour period in the price of, of Bitcoin that shows a 2% rise and then a 4% drop and then a 1.4% rise and then another 2% rise. And wow, he's got, he even went so far as to circle them with, with little pretty lavender colored ellipses around the drops and the rises. And it's just, who the hell thinks giving a 36 hour snapshot of anything that's over a year old, who gives credibility to that? I'm sorry, man, but it's just FUD, okay? And as always, we should always expect more and more FUD on more and more days, continuing on into perpetuity. Anyway, there's your smoldering pile. Oh, thank God I'm not... I was so running out of places to go find terrible jokes. So I, I just tweeted out yesterday. Uh, hey guys, uh, I need terrible jokes. Send them in for Monday's uh, Bitcoin. And I got a lot of responses. I got, I got, I mean, I, my, my joke stack is actually filled out for not only this week, but next week too. This one, uh, f- first reply was from run the banks or at empty underscore banks. Yeah, this is a bad one. It's an old one too, so it's it's because of that it makes it extra cringeworthy. Okay. A pirate walks into a bar. Bartender says, "You have a steering wheel attached to your pants." The pirate, "I driving me nuts." Yeah, it's complete cringe, man. It's really cringe cuz it's really old and it the the age age of something can also be taken into consideration for what makes a really good bad joke but this is a not only is it a good bad joke it's a classic bad joke okay so i again guys thank you uh empty banks thanks dude i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to uh lend me a hand on on today's show and then I'll have another one for uh, from uh, the community on Wednesday's show. So with that, we've wrapped up episode 131, the belated birthday anniversary episode. Good God, I still can't believe I missed my own damn anniversary slash birthday. Oh, well, what are you going to do, man? I, I got kids. So, yeah, don't don't hate me too much. Uh, also don't hate on each other. I, I know, it's so uh, we're all salty and it's kind of okay to be salty and 
but flat out name calling probably shouldn't be done. And I'm guilty of it too. I'm, I'm trying to be better. I really am. So, I mean, for like, I've been practicing it lately where if somebody says something that's just, and just really stupid, I, I have, have lit like 20 tweets go by and I'm just not even replying. I'm not muting, but I'm just not replying. I'm, I'm trying not to, you know, a couple of them I have, but for the most part, the amount of what I'm saying, the ratio between what I have replied to in a kind of mean and nasty way versus what I could have done is I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of proud of that. So I'm practicing trying to be nicer, just a suggestion. Are we, I'm talking to you. <laughs> everybody loves, everybody loves our, our, our uh, Chihuahua. Okay. So with all that said, it's the start of another week. Uh, looks like the Bitcoin price is kind of stabilized a little bit, but you know, this space guys, I don't expect, I don't expect it to hold up or down either way. It, 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 it's anybody's guess. Uh, we we're seeing adoption. We're seeing nation state level shit coinery become discussed. We've, we're going through industrialized shit coinery as we speak. And it seems that we've put, put behind us a whole lot of very small private, uh, scale shit coinery, at least for the time being. Um, you know, really other than that, man, try to have a really good week. Uh, and I will see you on hump day. And with that, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.